So there could only be 9,999 people with the phone number 555, right? Well, that's why they have area codes. Welcome to the St. Canard Files, a Darkwing Duck podcast. I'm your host, Will Santana, and... I'm Mike Russo, and at least you know I'm not a maladjusted pathological liar. (laughs) Hey, what's going on, Mike? How you been doing, man? I'm good. I'm good. You know, honestly, I'm really psyched because... uh, when this episode drops, we're probably a month away from Disney Plus, and I am super excited. Mm-hmm. Honestly, you know, I was shocked with all the stuff we're getting for that. Um, all a Darkwing Duck, bonkers, every everything you could possibly imagine. So I'm psyched. I'm feeling good. Having a good week. How about well, you? I'm doing pretty good, man. Uh, you know, just the kids got a lot going on, soccer and cheerleading, and then um. I got to play in a charity basketball game in two weeks with a charity game that my daughter is going to be cheerleading in. Oh, wow. Yeah, uh, basketball was my life growing up, but I am so out of shape right now. I don't even know uh-huh. if I'm going to last the whole game. <laughs> well, good luck. Yeah, man. But uh, hey, Mike, uh, we, we're doing a Saturday morning cartoon episode today, right? Yes, we are. We're back to Saturday morning. Oh, okay, man. And I'll be honest with you. I did not see this episode to like maybe three, four years later. Mm. Yeah, I did not. But like I told you before, I didn't have Saturday morning uh, ABC or Disney or anything like that. Uh, right. Overseas. So I, it took a while. I didn't see this until I came back to the States and it was on syndication, probably on Toon Disney or something. Man, that's crazy. You were seeing new Darkwing Ducks years after they first aired. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> uh, but hey, Mike, before we get into the episode, man, I, I just wanted to have a little, quick little discussion with you about, you know, Disney DVD and Blu-rays. And, you know, there, there, there's some things that, like, I was cleaning up my man cave and I noticed some movies that were kind of irritating me, like um, The First Kid. I have it on DVD, but I don't have it on Blu-ray. It doesn't right. exist on Blu-ray. Um, mm. my, my friend Cody, he, for some reason, he's a big inspector gadget fan, not the cartoon, the film, which oh, is crazy. Matthew Broderick one. Yeah. And he's oh, making Lord. a, <laughs> he's making a big deal that this is the anniversary, I think 20th anniversary or something. And he's like, man, they need to release it on Blu-ray for a Disney movie club exclusive. They better do it this year. And I'm like, eh, I don't think it's going to happen. dude. Honestly, <laughs> I, I think. I think those movies are going to be on D- uh, Disney Plus. So, oh, yeah. what that probably means is that any chance those movies had of going on Blu-ray are pretty much done. Mm-hmm. You know, I think Disney Plus is the final nail in the coffin for a lot of that kind of stuff coming out in physical media. Yeah. Do you yeah. have any uh, Disney VHSs still? VHSs, yeah, they're all in storage. I don't remember exactly what I've got. I know I've got Snow White, Aladdin, all three mm-hmm. Aladdin films. I know I've got Lion King, um, and the Darkwing Duck ones, of course. I've got those. Not too many, honestly. Okay. Not v, not too. We didn't collect VHSs. In fact, when I was a kid, we had two uh, VHS players. So mm-hmm. my dad would rent a VHS. We'd play it. We'd record it on a blank tape and bring it back to the uh, video store. So that's how we got our films. We didn't buy VHSs when I was a kid. 
Okay. Um, what about you? Got any laser discs? Uh, I never owned a laser disc player. Okay. I um, always wish I did, but I just we just couldn't afford it growing up, so I never owned one. Okay. DVDs. I'm um, pretty sure your DVDs collection is crazy on Disney. Yeah, our DVD collection is absolutely insane. We have every single one of the um the Disney animated uh, features from all the way from Snow White all the way to to Ralph Breaks the Internet. We have all the Pixar films. Um, obviously all the Disney afternoon stuff. I have all the Disney treasures sets. You know what those are, right? Oh yeah. I got a few of them. Uh, my favorite treasure one is the Oswald one. I love that one, man. You know, I've owned that for years and I've never even watched it. Oh um, man, give it a shot, man. My favorite sets are the Donald Duck ones, especially the, the ones with the war time cartoons. Um, but yeah, I have all of those. Um, it's a sampling of other stuff too, movies like Enchanted and uh, a few other films like that that my wife's got. You know, DuckTales movie, some direct video features. We have a whole DVD spinner full of Disney stuff. Okay. Now, before, oh, yeah. we, before we get into the episode, I got two more questions about your Disney home video collection. Sure. Okay. Is there one that you have on DVD that you want on Blu-ray, even with Disney Plus coming out? Like, man, I got to have this one. I hope well, it comes out on Blu-ray. Well, I had them all on DVD, and as the Blu-rays came out, I I always upgraded. Mm-hmm. Um, so there are really only three films I don't have on Blu-ray that are just not out on Blu-ray. Mm-hmm. And that one of them is a Black Cauldron, and um, I don't know why. I'm probably because Disney's still ashamed of that movie 35 years later. So that one isn't on Blu-ray. Mm-hmm. Also, the two compilation films, not the compilation, the the package films from the 1940s, um, Make My Music and Melody Time. Uh, those haven't been put on Blu-ray either. Otherwise, if it's on Blu-ray, I've got it. Okay. So those are the only three films I want on Blu-ray because that would complete my Disney Blu-ray collection. I don't know when and if they're going to do it. I don't think Black Cauldron's on Disney+. Plus. I didn't see it there. So who knows what's going on? Okay. All right. My last question. Can you, Do you have one or two uh, movies that you feel are just so under the radar for Disney? Um, elaborate. Uh, like, you know, most people don't talk about it. Like when people put up lists, it's not in their top 10 or 15, but to you, it's a really good movie. Oh yeah. There's a bunch of them like that. Um, top of your if head, it was, just give if me it one was, or two. If it was 15 years ago, I would have said the emperor's new groove, but that movie's become a cult classic. So I really can't even say that, but movies like, um, fun and fancy free, um, the adventures of Ichabod and Mr. Toad. Mm-hmm. That's a great movie. Um, Honestly, some of my most favorite Disney movies are ones that are popular already, like Dumbo and Pinocchio. Okay. But I guess the ones I mentioned, really, that would be it. You know. Okay. Um, uh, I don't know if this one's under the radar, but I never see it on people's list. But I've always had a thing for Meet the Robinsons. I've always thought that was a great film, man. Oh, Meet the Robinsons. Oh, yeah. You, mm-hmm. you know what? I've seen it once or twice, and obviously I own it because it's popular. Mm-hmm. Oh. Feature canon. I really too thrilled with it. I mean, it's better than Chicken Little. Mm-hmm. That one's a dumpster fire, but um, <laughs> it, it really is. Um, I mean, and the Robinsons is okay. It's not no, fantastic. I think it's great. I, I guess because you know, like I've been around people who grew up in foster homes and stuff like that. You know, and I'm, somebody close to me also grew up in foster homes, so I, I think that movie has a lot of sentimental value to me. Right. Um, but there's one movie in particular that I didn't see on the Disney Plus list, and it's not a great movie, but it's just it's it's a movie that I saw when I was a little kid, and I've 
barely ever seen it ever since. It was a movie called uh, Summertime Switch. I don't know if you ever heard of that one. Never heard of that. What, yeah. what is it? It's with Jason uh, Weaver and uh, Ryder Strong from Boy Meets World. And they is, have the, is they it have, like one of those Disney Channel original movies? It is. They have oh, the that same would explain name. why I hadn't seen it. Okay. Yeah, they had the same name, and then they got uh, swapped to the wrong camp. You know, Jason Weaver goes to the rich boy camp, and then Ryder Strong goes to, like, the juvenile delinquent camp. You know, but they have the same exact name, and nobody realized their identities has been swapped. Right. You know? Yeah, it's one of those right. types. You know, my wife is probably aware of that. She's about six years younger than I am. I know she watched uh, Disney Channel a lot more than I did. But before we move on, I wanted to ask you, since okay. we're talking about Disney movies, could you, like, throw out and name, like, your top three Disney animated films? Oh, wow. Non-Pixar? Yeah, non-Pixar animated. Oh, man, you just threw me on the spot, man. That's not even cool. <laughs> <laughs> I'll um, name mine so that uh, you have time to think. Okay. Okay, um, top three. Pinocchio, absolute masterpiece of animation. Uh-huh. Masterpiece. Uh, Dumbo uh-huh. and Aladdin. Okay. Oh, man. I, I know that wasn't much time to think, but yeah, that really wasn't much. You already had yours ready. <laughs> I'm sorry. It's easy for me to name my top Disney films because uh, you know. I guess I'm gonna go with Lion King. Um, I used to have a, I used to like Pocahontas a lot. Um, oh, and I I gotta go with Aladdin also, man. All right, so we we are you know. The that's what I, Aladdin. I yeah, love Aladdin. Yeah, that's without me having time to think. So, <laughs> uh, but yeah, you put me on the spot. But yeah, let's let's move on. Yes. All right, let's get into film flam, right? Speaking of movies, yeah, film flam. <laughs> All right. Well, what's what's the air date for this episode, Mike? Our air date for this one was Saturday, September fourteenth, nineteen ninety-one, and this is 31st by production order. You know, I don't plan to do this for every single episode but it makes sense for these early ones especially like this one that's a little bit later Mm -hmm. um interesting fact on this one this is not the first tuscanini episode this is not the second tuscanini episode this is the third tuscanini episode out of five that he was in he was only in five he was was more he was only in five and this is the third one they did with him okay Yep, so the second one um, airs next, and the first one was delayed until the following February because Mm -hmm. of production problems in France. So his first episode, which should have aired already, did not air until the following year. So this is actually Tuscanini's third episode. Okay, and who was this written by? This was written by um, a man named Bruce Reed Schaefer, he most mostly Disney stuff. Uh, the New Adventures of Winnie the Pooh, Goof Troop, Aladdin. His last writing credit was on Hercules in '98. Uh, so mm-hmm. um, I guess he's retired. I don't know. Short-lived career, just basically Disney stuff. Um, his other Darkwing episodes were Darkwing Doubloon and Let's Get Respectable. So only three episodes. Um, three episodes that not really are my favorites. Um, Let's Get Respectable is fine. Um, Darkwing Dabloon has some of the same problems I have with this episode, and I'll talk about those when we get there. Okay. Um, the story editor was uh, Carter Crocker, um, which is funny. Looking at his resume, he started with Tailspin, but almost enti- his entire body of work was writing credits on Winnie the Pooh and Barney the Dinosaur videos and TV oh. specials. <laughs> I, I was 
running through his IMDb and it was one Barney video after another. Um, he wrote one Darkwing episode and that's actually one of my all-time favorites. He wrote Dead Duck. Okay. So he gets he gets a complete pass for me. <laughs> just for writing that episode. Okay. Yeah, so he was, you know, the one episode he did write was fantastic. So yeah, those there we go. Bruce Ray Schaefer on the writing duties and story edited by Carter Crocker. Okay. So and who who animated this? What studio? Another Sunwoo episode. Um, which again, I'm repeating myself. Not much to say. Um, the characters are drawn really well, I think, because mm-hmm. it was a later one, a lot like the um, Night of the Living Spud. Um, I find this episode exemplifies a problem I, a lot of people have with some Darkwing episodes in that the city seems kind of sparse because I guess they can't afford to keep animating lots of people roaming around the city. So that entire last act that's entirely taking place in the middle of St. Canard and there's no other characters walking around. In broad daylight. <laughs> in broad daylight, and there's no, and the city's almost deserted. Um, but yeah, I don't know if that was an issue with some woo or just a budget thing. But um, I wish this episode had a little bit better um, layout and like angles and stuff like that. Because, mm-hmm. you know, I know we'll talk about that too. But the characters are well drawn, you know, good yeah. enough for Sun Wu. Um, luckily we're going to go a few episodes from this point without Sun Wu. We're going to get some interesting stuff from Japan and Australia. Um, so we're going to take a break from Sun Wu for a while. And, that's uh, you know, that's all I really have to say about them. Okay. So, so let's go ahead and get into the episode, man. Um, I, I like the way the episode really starts off, you know, is Goslin all by herself in the theater and she's watching a 3d movie uh, with a zombie who has a chainsaw. And... I'm pretty sure this is supposed to be Leatherface. <laughs> from the texas chainsaw massacre yeah it, this this episode reminds me a lot of the movie uh last action hero and of quite right. a few other movies uh mm-hmm. but we'll, we'll get into that um sure i'm not gonna be great on this one mike for a play-by-play because they were jumping from scene to scene from film to film on this one you know yeah there's a lot of location changes very quick in this one yeah um this episode I, I feel like this episode had a bit of an editing problem. Mm-hmm. And there are some really specific examples of that I'm going to point out. But there are scenes that just changed on a whim. Like, I feel like the scene before it hasn't even ended before they switched to something else, which makes it very hard to follow what's going on. Yeah. Um, like, this first scene, you know, Goslin's watching the movie, the, the zombie jumps off the screen, and immediately we switch to Darkwing somewhere else entirely on the rat catcher. Yeah, him and uh, Launchpad. <laughs> and I noticed something the second time I watched this this week, as I watched it twice. Launchpad is not sitting in the sidecar. No? He's sitting behind Darkwing. Oh, I didn't catch that. I've, I've never noticed that before, with his hands on Darkwing's waist. Oh, I never caught that, man. <laughs> I did not catch that. No, and I've never noticed that until this 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 last watch. I'm like, why is Launchpad sitting behind Darkwing? Um <laughs> So they um they crash. I guess all the banana peels they hadn't slipped on in uh, Apes of Wrath came back here, so they slipped yeah. on that. And um, Darkwing gets up, and it's a uh, Western gunfighter called the Snake-Eyed Kid. Billy the Kid. <laughs> I guess basically, yeah. So yeah. Darkwing gets up and he goes, "Yes, you have no bananas." And you you know that's a song, right? Uh uh-uh. uh You never heard of the song? Yes, you have no bananas. No, never heard that. Oh, it's a super old song. It was written in 1923. It goes, yes, we have no bananas. We have no bananas today. 
and um, lots uh, of different, lots of different, like the Muppets have sung the song. And when Darkwing gets up and goes, yes, you have no bananas today, he's referencing the song. Oh, okay. So I never knew that. And he he does it again in a different episode. So next time he does it, you'll be like, oh, great. I know what this is. Okay. <laughs> and yeah. um, so yeah, this, Launchpad this recognizes the... Uh, from a movie. Launchpad the, is the movie guru, him and Gosselin. <laughs> from the It's So Late, It's Early show. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember being a kid in the 80s and staying up super late at night so I could watch late night movies on TV and... They don't do that anymore. Like you would stay up and like on channel five or channel seven, they would show like old monster movies or just all sorts of like old garbage on TV. Mm-hmm. And um, so I definitely know what Launchpad is referencing here. Did you have that kind of stuff growing up? Nope. No, you didn't? <laughs> no. Because <laughs> like you'd stay up to like 3 a.m. and they'd show a Godzilla movie or something like that on broadcast I, I... television. I did Those see some stuff like over. that. Yeah, I did see some stuff like that. Like the Twilight Zone would come on real late, or the Three Stooges would come on real late at night. Oh, I remember those days. Yeah. Or the Honeymooners, or something like that. And um, so this is interesting. This is the editing I'm talking about. Darkwing goes to fight the Gunslinger, the snake-eyed kid, and the Gunslinger pulls out his pistols, shoots at Dark, and then where a Goslin school all of a sudden you don't see him defeat him you don't see how the fight ends it's just the next scene mm-hmm. and um so they're at Goslin's uh her guidance counselor and um the guidance counselor is saying that Goslin's running around saying she saw a monster jump off a movie screen yeah did, did she tell Darkwing like she recommend her watching movies without the title bloody in it <laughs> yeah without the word blood in the title mm-hmm. um and uh funny the guidance counselor they must design these characters to like be used anytime they need them. Like the design of this guidance counselor is so generic, but you know, the episode, um, mutiny, uh, no mutancy on the bouncy with the rubber chicken. Yes. They take this guidance counselor design and she becomes glue gal. <laughs> so they take, they have these designs that they, they use again. So I was, I didn't even realize that until I was watching it yesterday. I'm like, Oh my God, that's glue gal. Um, so they recycle so, some characters. Yeah, they do recycle generic background characters. They tend to recycle. Mm-hmm. So Goslin makes a uh, Darkwing. Sorry, excuse me. Makes a list of the movies Goslin can see, and he makes her sign it. Movies that she isn't allowed to see. Movies she can see, and he decides to take her to a uh, cartoon. It was called Wacky something. Wack, Wacky Times with Andy Ape. Now, who is obviously who is Andy Ape? A parody of uh, Roger Rabbit. Roger Rabbit. Now, Roger Rabbit was only a few years old when this came out, mm-hmm. but I, I already feel like even by then, and definitely now, I feel like references to Roger Rabbit are a little like, I don't know, like the characters kind of drifted into obscurity. You know, legally, yeah. legally, Disney can't use him anymore. Really? No, they can't because they don't totally own Roger Rabbit. Uh, okay. Spielberg does. He owns part of it. Okay, but so Disney can't use him without Spielberg giving the okay, and Steven Spielberg, I guess, is not not all that interested in using him again. So Disney can't use Roger Rabbit anymore. Mm. That's why you don't see him. Okay, I mean, I still see the movie. You know, like well, the, the Blu-ray. Movie, yeah, I, the movie movie itself, Disney can release. Okay. Um, fantastic movie. 
Um, but, but here we character. have, uh, yeah, the character they can't do much with. Um, so you got Andy Ape and Toddler Timmy. I guess that's Baby Herman. And, um, you know, it's stupid. The character's pretty obnoxious. I mean, Roger Rabbit was kind of obnoxious. I guess that's the whole idea. And uh, so, yeah, Andy Ape is voiced by... Charlie Adler. Charlie Adler again, yeah. Um, we got a couple of Charlie Adlers pretty quick. And um, and uh, Goslin's really aggravated. She doesn't want to watch a cartoon. So she sneaks off to go see Mongo from Mars. Now, so he's a, a big red squid monster with a helmet on. Yeah, that one kind of reminded me of a little bit of Mars Attack. And then it, uh, I, I love the, the Donald Duck little punchline in there. Yeah. Yeah, 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 right. And I'm Donald. <laughs> and uh, Darkwing's, uh, Drake is trying to tell her how um, in real life you can't get smashed with anvils and pop up. Oh, we've and kind of forgot to explain what, what's been happening. The the characters are have been coming out of the screen. Right. Yeah. With um, Tusker Nini has this gun, which I never understood why the gun had the 3D glasses on the front of it. I don't know. Muscarini uh, <laughs> hasn't actually shown up yet. It's mm-hmm. funny they they introduce him like he just walks on screen like it isn't even a big deal. <laughs> and for me as a kid, I didn't know who this was, and he just walks on screen with like absolutely no fanfare. Like, oh look, it's this big walrus guy, mm-hmm. and it's like it's such a weird way to introduce him. He just walks up. He just Oh, look, there's Tuscarini. There he is. Which I guess it wouldn't have been so confusing if I had seen his first episode. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like not seeing the first Bushroot episode, but then Bushroot just walks on screen like, hey, everybody, it's Bushroot. Yeah, I, I guess for me, it wasn't that big of a deal because I, I like you saw this on his original air date, right? Right. Yeah, I, I didn't see it for years later. So to me, it was no big deal, you know. I didn't even know the air date order. So to me, it was right, like, right. yeah, I was just watching Tusker Nini. Yeah, I had no idea who he was because he's in the theme song, but you have to look really quick to see him. Mm-hmm. So I had really no idea who he was. And he was voiced by Kenneth Mars. Now, I'm not going to go crazy talking about everything he did. Hundreds of roles going back to 1966. But as as far as all of his voiceover roles go, I think he's most famous for playing King Triton in The Little Mermaid. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, yeah. I, I mean, he's on <laughs> lots of roles, but I think King Triton was the one he'll probably be remembered for. Um, and he he's dead. He died in 2011 at 75. So, mm-hmm. you know, rest in peace, Kenneth Mars. And I think the most fun part about Tuscarini is the voice. Yeah. I feel like Ken Mars is having a really good time doing that voice. Mm-hmm. And it makes up for the fact that I think the character design isn't all that great. Not all isn't all that interesting. You know, the character itself never wowed me. I don't know about no, you. No, it, it was okay. I, I I guess to me, I always liked Tuscarini because of the film. A lot of his episodes yeah. have to deal with film. So I my thing with Tuscarini is that he's a really interesting villain. Like he has potential with him. But he kept popping up in episodes I didn't really like that much. Okay. And that didn't help. I mean, there was a couple of episodes he's in that I really like. But the fact that I'm not a huge fan of this one and it aired first. And the second one that aired with him in it, I didn't like at all. Definitely did not help to endear me to this character. I, um, I like this one. but See, it's know. funny how we differ. There are parts of it I like, but I think... 
I, it doesn't I like all, this one it doesn't, all the way, man. <laughs> it doesn't all come together for me, this one. Okay. I mean, I do feel you you I think you have legit legit complaints about from scene to scene how it was all over the place. Like Darkwing was battling the kid guy and then boom, they're in the school. Like, whoa, whoa, what just happened here? You know, and then boom, they're in the theater again and Gosselin's looking at posters saying Ducky Three instead of Rocky Three, uh, Duck Hard instead of Die Hard. You know. The, the other pro- the, the other thing that jumped out at me with this the last time I watched this, the first episode Tuscanini was in, um, a duck by any other name, that establishes his hideout in an abandoned movie theater, mm-hmm. but it's not explained in this episode that that's his hideout. So they go from one theater into another one. So the locations keep jumping back and forth without an explanation that this is his hideout. Mm-hmm. And that confused that confused me too, you know? And mm-hmm. um but anyway, so Darkwing gets an entrance, which I think is a great one because it as as usual it's relevant to what's going on. This one is I am the plot twist in the second reel. <laughs> that one that one's a good one. Yeah, that's and a good you know one. and you know what? We mentioned Tuscanini and we didn't even mention the penguins. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. The penguins, man. Uh, I like those penguins. It, it makes sense that they put penguins with a walrus. It does make sense, and I like uh, these. I like these penguins. They're so shifty. Like they got the big top hats, and uh, they don't talk. Mm-hmm. And I like, I like. I think I like the penguins more than I like Tuscarini, honestly. Because okay. there are some good. There are some good gags with them once in a while. Yeah. Um. And uh, like there's one bit in this episode where he wants the penguin to turn on the film projector, but the penguin's like, you know, gearing himself up to do it, blowing on his finger like before he turns it on. And Tuscanini just smacks him out of the shot. <laughs> <laughs> and um, so, yeah, um, so Darkwing and Goslin and Launchpad show up and the bad guys defeat them really quick, actually. Yeah. Like, they- like the zombie grabs Launchpad and um, I think um, – they they tie them up and yeah um, I think the one of them ties up Goslin and uh, then they um Tuscany brings in um Fleabeard the pirate who was in yeah. black and white which is pretty neat he jumps out of the movie screen and he's still in black and white and of course the villain has to leave yeah right before he finishes them <laughs> I mean anyway but um did you catch when fleabeard swiped at darkwing with the uh the no, sword I couldn't, and... I couldn't see what was on his shirt what was you that you know what with the copies that have been floating around for the last 20 years i can totally get why it would be hard to see but it's on his shirt it's the tailspin logo ah i could not see it because the copy i had it was kind of pixelated and i was like man what is that on his shirt because like they were really trying to show it even when like he was outside and he ran into the was it a lamp pole or something yeah Yeah. i think it's a parking meter parking meter i I couldn't see what was on the shirt no i I kept thinking what is so relevant about that shirt it's blue (laughs) okay i couldn't see it um well disney plus when that comes out you pull up the episode and check it out hd Uh, (laughs) <laughs> yeah, so it's the uh, it's blue, and um, yeah. Speaking of which, not to go too far off subject, do you know there's an episode of Goof Troop when Match looks at Max, sorry, looks at his wristwatch and it's Quacker Jacks on it? No. Yep, the episode is called Axed by Edition, oh, and at man. one point Max looks at his watch, and it's Quacker Jacks. It's the um, Quacker Jack Toys logo. Okay. 
All right, so, all right. Last thing before while we're getting off real quick. I thought you'd like to know that. Yeah, I gotta know that, man. I'm, you know, I'm gonna watch that as soon as we get up, get off here, man. Um, one last thing though, Mike, before we get back to the episode. Yeah. I, I'm I'm not a big Bonkers guy, but wasn't Darkwing on one episode of Bonkers? Darkwing was on a few episodes of Bonkers. Okay. Um. So you know what? I'm I have planned an episode idea talking about Darkwing's appearances on other shows. Okay, we can do that. And let's hold off talking about that, because there's more than you'd think. Okay. So we can do a Flash Quack B-Sides episode about that. All right. Um, I'm cool so with let's, that. Let's, you know, and, that, and that's when I'll talk about Bonkers production history, because now that the show's going to be on Disney+, Plus, mm-hmm. I'm sure people would love to know. Anyway, we, we got to oh, move yeah, on. Let, yeah, let's get back to Film Flam. <laughs> so they defeat the pirate. It's a clever way, too. Darkwing ties him up and uh, fires his grappling hook into a projector and sucks him back into the camera. Yeah. I think that was pretty clever. But then all of a sudden, they go back to the house. And Darkwing's trying to get Goslin to sign this paper still. Yeah, sign and that contract. <laughs> and she agrees to do it if he'll take her to see Son of Kanjo. Mm-hmm. And it's clearly Tuscanini's going to go after Kanjo, and Darkwing... He's like, it's under my nose. I, it's like, I should know what he's going to do. I can, it's right under my nose, and I'm not seeing it. Because Launchpad's sitting there with the newspaper looking right at Kanjo. And mm-hmm. you know where it's going. But I, I love this little back and forth um, with Goslin and Darkwing. And, or Drake. Um, Drake goes, little does she know, son of Kanjo is not on my no list. And Goslin <laughs> goes, little does he know it was until I erased it. <laughs> yeah and, I, I like you know I, I know goslin uh isn't the main character on this episode but i really really enjoy her a lot on this one i, I really feel do like out of all the ones we've watched so far like this is classic goslin oh yeah like this is goslin like totally crystallized this is who goslin is Mm-hmm. Like obsessed with blood and gore and monsters and manipulates Drake and we haven't seen I mean we saw a bit of that in Night of the Living Spud, but this is like this is classic yeah. Goslin. Oh yeah. And this is this is this is a great episode for her and Darkwing's relationship. You know? Mm-hmm. And um and speaking of characters, um I paused my DVD when they were in the theater ready to watch Kanjo. Just to look at the, just to look at all the food Launchpad was eating. <laughs> Remember, I mentioned Launchpad, the food monster uh-huh. from Getting Antsy. Uh-huh. Yeah, he has. Okay, get this: a gigantic tub of popcorn, a gig, a huge jug of water, a big cup of soda, at least two hamburgers, French fries, and a whole ton of stuff I can't make out because my DVD copy is so terrible. <laughs> <laughs> So again, like I said before, a launch pad loves to eat. And um so I don't know what happens. They end up in the wrong theater and they're watching Andy Eight. Yeah, and uh this is when uh, they go into the city, right? When uh Tuscanini gets him out of the screen. Yeah, he steals the um the reels of film and he fights Darkwing and accidentally brings um Andy Ape out of the screen too. Because mm-hmm. he comes back later and it's important that uh he gets reintroduced, and he, um, yeah, he projects some um, Kanjo on the, uh, the uh, skyscraper and brings him to life. Yep. And um, and then Darkwing yep. and Launchpad show up, and he has Kanjo throw them into a building. And yep. here is the weirdest edit of the entire episode. Okay, it's it's nighttime here. 
when Conjo throws Darkwing in a launch pad right into the building. The, uh-huh. very <laughs> next, the very next shot, it's daytime. Yeah. <laughs> and there's no scene transition. There's no fade out. It's just daytime. <laughs> and there's a police car there, too. Oh, with I didn't no, even catch a police and car. And I feel there. like something had to have been edited before this episode was finished. Because this is how it was when I first saw it. It was like that, too. It went from night to day. And then Goslin shows up complaining about Kanjo jumping off the screen. But if it... Where where has Goslin been? Yeah. (laughs) You know? (laughs) Uh, So a really weird edit. And then... um, So what uh, what does Kanjo do? Doesn't he do the uh, the King Kong? He goes all King Kong, yeah. <laughs> and Goslin likes it at first until she realizes what he's doing. Didn't he start off with Launchpad first on the King Kong, or it was Goslin the whole time? Well, no, he had picked up Launchpad and Darkwing and threw them into a building. Okay. But then he grabbed Goslin later. Yeah. And climbed the building with her. And um, then Tuscanini comes with all the, the villains from the movie. All movies. the villains, yeah. <laughs> There's um a shot when the third act begins. It's a long shot of the building with Kanjo climbing up the side of it. Mm-hmm. That is a direct copy of a scene from King Kong. Yeah. I've I seen... Have you like, seen King Kong? I've seen like four versions of it. I know I saw the 1931 once. Yeah, uh, 1933. Yeah. Yeah, I've seen... I think it was one from the 70s or early 80s. 1976, I believe. 76. I've seen the Jack Black one. Mm-hmm. Um, I've seen the what Skull Island. Oh, that was kind of like that. That was like a prequel, though, right? Um, that one. See that one. The newest one, Skull Island, is tying into the monster verse with the Godzilla movies. Okay. And um, they're doing. I don't know if you're aware. Um, next year they're doing a um King Kong versus Godzilla remake. Okay. So, yeah, so Kong is coming back, but it's more tied to the Godzilla universe than anything else. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm sure this is specifically referencing the 1933 original King Kong. Okay. When he climbed the Empire State Building. Because in the 70s film, he climbed the Twin Towers. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so there's Kanjo with Goslin. And um, this is when I feel like the like we got like maybe like... Rose were yeah he kept asking uh launchpad and uh when launchpad didn't know that's when he referred to goslin and god <laughs> i love when he fights the zombie though do you do you want to talk about the other ones first before we get well, to the zombie yeah first he's bonanza okay. bob versus the snake-eyed kid mm-hmm. and they have a gun you know he does a whole gunslinging thing um and i think they sidestep standard and practices by having the guns make popping sounds instead of shotgun sounds because <laughs> if you notice the he's shooting his gun it's like pop 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 i think they were trying to just avoid the sensors on that one and then lord zap versus mongo from mars he uses a mind meld to put him to sleep yeah and then finally we have the zombie show up and darkwing turns into south dakota smith obviously who is that i i'm not sure Indiana Jones. Oh, with the whip. Okay. <laughs> I, I, I didn't get South it. I didn't get Smith. that one though. I didn't get it with the whip and with the zombie though. Which movie was that from Indiana Jones? <laughs> well, I don't think he fought any zombie, but I think it's just I don't know. They were just thinking of a movie hero, so Indiana okay. Jones. Yeah, because um, Goslin did mention like, what to happens. Him. You don't want to know. <laughs> yeah, she said you don't want to know. Zombie wins. <laughs> So they get Andy Ape to fight the zombie. Mm-hmm. 
And then they have a they have a little bit with the thunder quack. Oh yeah, where it's like a ping pong or yeah, like a yo yo. Like, like a paddle ball. Yeah, like a paddle ball. Paddle yeah, ball. Yeah. And um so that fails. So Darkwing thinks like a, you know, uh Launchpad mentions movies and Darkwing's like, "Hey, movies, that's a great idea." So Darkwing becomes a director with this terrible accent. Um, I love it when he show when he says to the ape, he goes, "You there, the ape?" And the ape's look Darkwing goes, "You see any other apes up there?" <laughs> so um so Kanjo drops Goslin and then Darkwing directs him to fall down. And <laughs> of course, Kanjo falls on dark because of course he does and then um Tuskegee comes back one more time with all these bad guys you think they're defeated but they're not and um so Darkwing gets a hold of the film gun zaps them all thing i'm almost positive you know the ending when all the anvils are falling on the bad guys yeah at the very end mm-hmm. i'm pretty sure that's a reference to something um have I, how familiar are you with classic old 1940s cartoons? You can, I mean, if you're not, uh, that's totally uh, cool. Somewhat, you know, like I, I couldn't tell you the name of every episode or anything like that. Um, there's a Tex Avery cartoon called Bad Luck Blackie, and in this cartoon, um, a little kitten's being tormented by a bulldog, and this black mm-hmm. cat shows up and says. Whenever the bulldog bothers you, blow this whistle, and I'll walk by and give him bad luck. So every time the dog is annoying the little kitten, the kitten blows the whistle, the black, the, the, um, the black cat walks past, and the bulldog gets hit by something. Mm-hmm. You know, dropping from nowhere. Um, a refrigerator, an anvil, a flower pot. At the end of the cartoon, the bulldog swallows the whistle, and every time he hiccups, something falls on his head. And the ending... Is him? Is he's running back and forth, avoiding the things that are dropping on his head. The very mm-hmm. end of this episode is Tuscanini doing the exact same thing. Oh, okay. So I'm wondering if this is a reference to that cartoon. I would not be shocked if it was. Yeah, it probably because that was. cartoon's actually that's, that's cartoon's actually a classic. You know, Tex Avery, you know, master of cartoons. So. Um, I would not be shocked at all if they were referencing it because it's pretty much the exact same thing. And Duckery goes, it has, what does he say? It has a happy ending? Yeah. Yeah, so Tuscanini is running from the falling anvils that are coming out of nowhere. And that's uh, his defeat by Tuscanini. <laughs> and, um, so, so, yeah, kind of like the, the episode, this discussion was kind of all over the place, I feel. But um, I mean, because it was jumping from scene to scene. I, I enjoyed the episode. It, you know, even though no, I don't, I don't hate it. It's just not not close to one of my favorites for sure. No, no, no. It's not top ten or top fifteen or anything like that. But it's an episode I do enjoy. I do love the film references. I love the mm-hmm. parodies. Uh, I love Goslin in this episode. Like this is a great Goslin episode. Yeah, really. Uh, she has so much sass in this episode. Oh yeah, you know, and it's like you. She's like that 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 young girl where she's hitting teenage years. Like, come on, like let me watch the scary movies because I'm I'm going through through that right now with my own daughter you know um she wants to watch freddy krueger she wants to watch jason you know her friends are talking about it at school so she wants to watch it i'm saying yes mother says no but freddy krueger freddy krueger is rough because the psychological aspect Mm -hmm. of those movies i mean the guy's gonna kill you while you're sleeping that's you gotta be sure she's (laughs) right 
Well, you know, I recall that, you know? watching it at like six years old, watching Freddy, and I think I was fine. But you know, I am a guy. Uh, even though I say yes, I tell my daughter because one parent is saying no and have their doubts. Her no overrules my yes. You know. Right. Yeah, I'm not a really big horror and gore fan, and my wife is definitely not at all. So I don't know how much of this stuff my daughter is going to really be exposed to. I think if she sees this stuff, it's going to be when she's older and she's checking it out by herself, you know, out of her own curiosity. Because I I don't think I'm ever going to grab a Freddy Krueger movie and say, hey, Helena, watch this. I don't think it's ever going to (laughs) happen because I don't really like those movies very much. And um I can't even get my wife to sit through Gremlins. So, um, yeah, so I feel like uh, if my daughter ever watches these movies, it's going to be on her own. Um, how old is your daughter? My the daughter, uh, she's about to be 10 next month. Okay, so that's about the age when you have the curiosity about these kind of movies. Yeah. Know, that's, that's how, isn't Goslin 10? I believe 9 or 10? So, yeah, I believe so. And, you know, like, my daughter, she she finally saw it. She didn't watch the whole thing. She watched half of it. She the was new, fine. She did the newer one, of course. You know, she did fine. She kept saying she wanted to watch it because everybody at school has been talking about Pennywise. So yeah. I didn't mind. My wife, my wife gave in and she watched it. She 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 handled it fine. You know. Uh, okay, well, let, let's get back to this um, uh, so I, we can wrap this up. At the moment, I'm yeah we uh well you know it's relevant. You got it's monsters, movie monsters in this episode. So. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so Mike, uh, how many gas gun canisters will you give this episode? You know what? I'll give it a two and a half. You know, okay. I I'm not gonna give it any lower than that. Two and a half gas gun canisters. It's a very you know it has great ideas. A lot of it's very clever. The movie character designs are great. Um, there's a lot of great stuff in it. I think the animation is fine. I just think it has a bit of a pacing and editing problem, which mm-hmm. doesn't totally ruin it. It's just I wish the episode was a bit tighter and a little bit stronger because it could have been even better. Um, but as a Tuscanini episode, just it, I think it's fine. It's it's like dead average, so two and a half. Okay, I, I'm gonna give it a, just a slight edge. Uh, I'm gonna give it three gas gun canisters because, like I said, I love the film parodies. You know, I'm a film guy. I, all I watch is film, man. I have a huge film collection. I'm in the filmmaking. So, like, just to see this in the, the theater, it just, oh, my God. You know, like, I, I, I go crazy right. over that type of stuff. You know, it makes me want to pop out my Criterion collection and just, you know, start watching film. And like I said, I love Gosling. But you are right. I, the editing is all over the place. Jumping from scene to scene is all over the place as well. Um but I do like it. I give it a three. Uh, what would you give Tuscanini? Is that who we're rating on this one? Tuscanini for the villain? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. How many gas um, canisters do you want to give him? I'm gonna st- I'm gonna do two and a half with him too. Okay. Um, I don't think he's anything all that special. I mean, he's definitely under the supervillains and even Steelbeak. Mm-hmm. So I really can't rate him any higher. And he was only in five episodes, and a lot of the ones he were was in, like I said, are just kind of average. Mm-hmm. He's he's not in any episodes I think are all that fantastic, except for Adopticon. I think that, that one's really funny, but it isn't enough to really have me him any higher. So two and a half gas gun canisters is as high as I want to go. Because we have a lot of our villains coming up like right away. You know, our very mm-hmm. next our very next villain I'm giving a five to. So, okay. <laughs> so okay. you know what to 
to expect. I already know who the next one is. Okay, okay but uh, I'm going to give him two and a half as well. Uh, I, I, I like Tuscanini. Uh, he brings something different. Uh, I never saw him as a filler villain because uh, I always felt he was in more episodes until you just, you know, told me, hey, Will, he's only in five. I'm like, really? You know, I, I thought he was in more, but, you know, I, I'm never going to doubt you on this kind of information. Um, so I'm, I'm going to give him two and a half. I like Tuscanini. I don't hate him. Uh, I do like that a lot of his uh, episodes revolve around, um, you know, film. Um, yeah, I'm just going to stick with two and a half. Yeah, I've always gotten the impression they came up with Tuscanini and then couldn't quite figure out what to do with him. And we're just kind of like, eh, you know. They used him in five episodes, and we're just like, eh, he's not really working. We don't have to keep using him. Because he's kind of like the whole situation with Fallon Shush. He just disappears. Yeah. You know, if it wasn't for that first episode getting delayed, like, all his episodes would be pretty early on, and we wouldn't see him again for at all. So I feel like they just used him a little bit, kind of decided he wasn't all that interesting, and just stopped, you know? Yeah. Um. He must not have been all that thrilling to them, you know. It's they could, they, he he's he has potential. We just never really saw it. You okay. Know? Um. So that's really it, Tuscanini. Okay. So yeah, that wraps up Film Flam. Um, Mike, you about to have a good week coming up. You have your villains. You got the next one, and then your next Saturday morning one. <laughs> you about to go crazy. Yeah, we have the next. Five or six episodes after this one have some really some really strong episodes coming up. We mm-hmm. got our first appearance of Megavolt. We have comic book capers. We got our first appearance of Steelbeak. We're going to have a special guest on for Paradox. Another Bushroot episode. And then Negaduck. <laughs> so <laughs> the second week of shows are actually pretty strong. Leading mm-hmm. up to a, the, one of the best Saturday morning episodes they ever did. So... Um, it's, it's really going up from here. It's not fair. So, though. I gotta wait forever. Oh, you have a whole other week of Disney afternoons. You have like two full week of Disney afternoon shows before you get to Quacker Jack. Still, yeah. so we got a while. But you know what? I love these villains we got coming up. So it's not so bad at all. No, not at yeah, all. Not at all. Yeah. Megavolt, Steelbeak, Bushroot, the the original Negaduck. It's all good stuff. All right, Mike, we're now on, I believe this is like episode 10, maybe. Um, for people who are just now listening for the first time, can you tell them how we're, what order we're reviewing these episodes in? Oh, we're doing these in air date order with the Saturday morning episodes mixed in when they first aired. Disney has their weird ordering um, system where the Saturday morning ones come after the Disney afternoon ones. And from everything I've seen from the Disney Plus uh, preview they did over in the Netherlands. That's how they're doing it with these episodes still. Mm -hmm. Um, The first 65 Disney afternoon ones are going to be first, followed by season one of ABC, and then season two of ABC. Mm -hmm. Um, So they're they're, they're doing it the same way they always did. So these episodes will be in air date, but with Saturday morning coming later. So we're, we're doing them with Saturday morning dispersed where they actually belong. Yeah. So if you're, if you're new and you're wondering why Film Flam suddenly showed up and we should have been doing Duck Blind, this is how they originally aired. <laughs> okay. So, Mike, man, uh, before we go, just let people know where they can reach you at if they want to contact you or anything. 
um, Mike Russo on Facebook. There okay. You go. Yeah, and we got the Facebook page for the St. Canard Files um, Darkwing Up podcast page. Make sure you guys follow it. Mike. Yeah, it's really some blowing great... up. Yeah, it's really blowing up, especially with that hamburger hippo post you did. Yeah, that's, you know, since this episode's not being not dropping for a few weeks, that was a while back when Getting Antsy came out. Um, I posted a picture of Hamburger Hippo and said, who'd eat there if it was a real place? And it just blew up. So um, we're going to do more stuff like that. We have our characters of the week as well. And um, anything we think of, you know. Who's character of the week for this one? It's been fun. I'm not doing Tuscanini. I am saving him for when he actually first his premiere episode and this isn't okay. it so okay. our character of the week is gonna be andy eight okay why okay, not right yeah fair enough we're going obscure for some of these okay yeah because i know some people probably waiting like man when are they gonna do some of the major characters we gotta save them a little bit man if we did every major character the very first time they premiered we would run out of things to do <laughs> all right well hey mike man that wraps it up for this episode of film flam um hey you guys stay dangerous Yep. Stay dangerous. Have a good night. Good night, y'all.